time as, as when we do this, we eventually have to bring ourselves to deal with the situation and we deal with it in, you know, in a time, and I'm going to say a timely manner. And thank God for the mercy and the grace that he has given us because without that mercy and grace, we would never be able to come back around to it. And so we thank him for that. With truth, we also, uh, we, we also learn that we at times lack patience and we want things done immediately. And with God, it's not like that. God will take his time at times because it's his plan. He knows when to better insert us into what it is that he wants us to do. And with that being said, uh, I want to say that God will also sway us in a direction that will benefit not only him when we are trying to live for him, but also for ourselves. So in doing that, uh, we should not take, when, when something bad, and I'm going to say this, when we serve God, we should not feel bad when we go through hard times, through tribulations, because the fact of the matter is that if we say, God, Lord, order my steps, then we have asked for it. And if we have asked for it, I think we should say, I'm going to endure it. When God begins to move in our life, it is because he has begun to put things in position for us. And when you are put into a position, you will begin to operate in the will of God. God will begin to move upon you and he will begin to sway you in directions that you never thought possible because at times you never thought uh, most of us would say, I never thought in a thousand years that I would be, you know, teaching something about God because you were so in deep to the world, or I say buried in it, that you never saw uh, the light of day. With that being said, uh, God's plans were to bring you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And again, th this is why in Romans chapter 16, beginning with verse 25, God established us for a, for a reason, for a purpose. It says, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. This is Paul speaking and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that God Almighty is going to sway you by his might to transform you according to the good tidings he was bringing to you, but also through the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was something that was going to be sown into our hearts, but not only into our hearts, into the hearts of those that we would come in contact with. We who are here today, or at least most of us, I'm going to say, would agree. I know what you're talking about. God had to give you some good news to stir you up. How many of us are here because we got good news? Okay, amen. How many of us are here because we got bad news? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> In most cases, we're always going to go to a place where there's always good news. We're not going to go somewhere where there's bad news. But bad news are not so are not so bad at times. Bad news are not so good at times. And and I know it sounds a little contradicting, but here's what we don't like bad news. Thank God for good news. However, bad news to us in God's word only arises when we are out of the will of God. I'll repeat that. Bad news to us in God's word only arises when we are out of the will of God. So in other words, if I'm out of the will of God, I'm going to find myself in a place or I'm going to go through something that I don't like or I'm going to find something that I disagree with. But God says his ways are higher than our ways. And, of course, we understand that God's word is above our understanding. Even so, everything, everything God gives us is good. Bad news 
that I'm that the bad news that I'm talking about is not always something that is uh, physical. I'm not talking about that. I'm referring to that. Uh, those that we uh, at times we tend to miss, and it's I'm talking more about the spiritual, the spirituality of ourselves, the transformation that God does in our lives, our minds, and of course the intentions of our hearts. When God goes to work, He starts to transform us because again we have to be in the will of God. Paul continues and says, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, there are some things in Scripture that you will only understand by the Spirit of God. Because, again, the logical mind of man, and I, and I was there, cannot explain nor understand the things of God, or at least not yet. And here's what God brought to me. He says, okay, the only time they're going to understand it is one or two reasons. They either come to God, they come to me, or the end comes, and then they're going to know. And I would rather they know now than to know later. I think we would all agree with that. And in verse 26, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. For the, and then I, I kind of wrote it, didn't rewrite it, but I kind of put it in, in words where you might understand it just a little bit better. It says, for the obedience of faith is now known to all through the Holy Ghost and by the words given to the prophets according to what God commanded them to say. And I would say that some people would say, okay, I understand that a little bit better, but it's no different. It's no different. It's just a matter of digging into the word and, get, you know, grasping uh, what it is the, the word is saying to us. Brought God, you know, God brought word to me. Uh, we should be swayed. This is something that, you know, I it, just on my notes, he says we should be swayed uh, just a bit if we are lively stones and are able to change by the word. And this is, uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm writing, and, you know, what God wants me to put down. But he says, you know, if we're lively, we're going to be swayed by no matter what word comes over the pulpit or what word we read in our Bibles or a Bible study. There's going to be like, oh, praise God. I didn't know that, or I didn't think that, or I didn't, I didn't understand that. And uh, it's a blessing to those who are still swayed. But it says, because if, because if we're not, then we're dead. And there will be no swaying that takes place in something that is, or I should say someone that is dead. There is no reaction to God's word, no agreement of, or disagreement. Even disagreement is good because then you are now challenged to go back into the scriptures and find out what it is that uh, you're trying to figure out. Is this true? They're not moved by what is said. Very much like a, and I, I've, you guys have heard this say, like a, a bump in a log. We should be more concerned with those who, who just sit there and there's no change uh, is taking place. There should be spiritual growth and, and, long, and again, the longer they live for God, the more uh, they should transform before us. It doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to jump and say, and say, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord, that's it. No, I'm talking about uh, you can physically see it when they come in. There's going to be a transformation. I know it happened to me, and I hope I know I've, it's happened to many of. Actually, I will have to. I want to say all of us, because there is as we live for God. There's going to be something that is going to you know change us. We're going to we're going to walk in faith. When I say that, there are going to be things that are going to come against us, or we're, we we have to say, hey, you know, I got to stand here, and I got to make sure that no matter what happens, uh, I'm going to stand my ground. Again, I have heard bad news, and, and, I, and I was talking about it, and good news uh, in my walk with God. Some I've dealt with, uh, and, I, and I, right away, others I have taken a little time to work out. So I encourage you, 
if you find yourself there, the bad news, with bad news, don't worry. Wait there. God is, is there to help us. In reality, bad news is not so bad. It's actually good, especially when it comes from God. He'll tell it, he may even tell us at times, he goes, and, and you may not get this, but for some of us it does. You know, my, God may say, hey, you want to seek my face a little bit more, fast a few days, pray a little longer. And there was something that a pastor said on Thursday. By the way, the, that teaching was like an eye-opener to spiritual. If you, if you heard uh, the teaching from Thursday, you're, you're going you're gonna, to, there's going to be some meat in there. So when you go in there, bring your Bibles and, and just kind of, and just, you know, bear with it and go real nice and slow because there was a lot of good meat in there. It's, you know, so I said fast a few days. And pastor said this on Thursday, stop watching that. Stop watching that. God does work on our behalf. He'll, help, he'll actually help us out. It, it, and it, sometimes it works like this. You pay for your light bill, and then all of a sudden, the power goes out, and you can't watch your favorite show. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I don't watch shows. I'm just saying that. I do watch YouTube. There's some things that I like to watch because I like to see things come, to, come together. But just take it as an opportunity that God said, hey, you know what? I'm turning this off. And then you turn on your, your uh, maybe your candles, and it's time for a Bible study. Praise God. We can always do something productive that is for God in doing so. In between two, and so between 2017 and 2019, a couple by the name of John and Jen would also learn this, that the things are not always as you expect them to be. But one thing is for sure that when you are in the will of God, God will protect you. John and Jen spent 10 months in the South Pacific of AIM. They were associates in missions, which is AIM, workers in the country of Vanuatu. Uh, they served under Peter and Robin Gratian, veteran missionaries who previously ministered in the Solomon Islands in Papua New Guinea. John and Jen were excited for the opportunity to serve the mission work and to learn from the missionaries wise and experienced leadership. I think that's important, too. If, you know, to, to hear from those that have gone, have been there before. One Friday evening, the missionaries, though, however, they invited to come eat. And uh, I think we can all relate to this. They, they might come on over and eat, and they were sharing all these stories. We're going to eat and fellowship. These are my kind of people. <laughs> the Graces began to share with them stories of their mission, ministry around the South Pacific, stories with things that cannot be forgotten, experiences that had obviously changed their lives forever to the extent that you could say it was woven into the fabric of their life. I could, many of us can attest to that. Things have happened to us that they will never be taken out of our lives, that we always remember them, but because we remember them, it's what helped us transform us into who we are. They told stories of protection from sickness and disease. They spoke about the working with cannibals and children of cannibals in Papua New Guinea. I don't think anybody would uh, want to step into that, uh, at least not right now, I don't think. Uh, they recall the many sacrifices of Western comfort they voluntarily gave up in order to reach the wonderful inhabitants of the South Pacific with the gospel. And this is the part that I really enjoyed. The couple had the privilege to hear such great stories of faith firsthand while enjoying their meal. When they were swayed, and I say swayed, they were swayed to ask questions well. They were full of questions. For these veterans of the faith, at one point, John asked if they had ever feared for their safety or if they would ever rather have stayed and pastored in a westernized country closer to family with modern medicine and conveniences. 
And again, I think a lot of us would say, I would have probably chosen that route. But these missionaries didn't. It says the missionaries was, uh, he was sure, and I'm, uh, I'm going to say Brother Gratian, his stance is what he believed because no longer, uh, he, not long after the question, Peter Gratian responded, one thing I have discovered is you are always safer in the will of God than anywhere else. When you follow God's will and his commandments, there is nowhere else that you could possibly be safer. Praise the Lord. Yes, he would have he would have pastored in a westernized country. You know, he would have been safe. But again, being out of God's will, it would probably put him in a little bit more damage. And he said when he tells him we would have been in more spiritual and physical danger there because we were outside of God's plan for our lives. So your life is going to be different to somebody else's life. It's not going to be identical. There's God has plans for everyone. Now if we're on the same church, then ch things do kind of fall into place more or less similar. So when you're in God's will and following his commandments, it doesn't matter if you're in the most remote island or even uh, a war-torn, oppressive country, you will always be safer in God's will than anywhere else in the world. James Little a teacher, a UPCI licensing teacher said, when you get the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God in you, you don't get a pass to heaven. The reason you get the Holy Ghost is for the same reason that the apostles got the Holy Ghost. You will be endued with power. It was for a purpose. It was to share the gospel with others. Peter and Robin Gretchen were clearly endued with power, the power of the Holy Ghost. They were doing the very thing that you and I could do in this very town. The only difference is that it's a different location. They had faith that God would protect them if they were in the will of God. It was obvious that the Gratians all referred to, and they're referred to as veterans. This tells me that they were seasoned and knew what God expected them to do when it came to the commandments of God. With that being said, I come to the title if it's up there. <laughs> it is. The title of the message is, as you see on the screen, uh, it says, Protected When Swayed. And the reason I named it that, sorry, excuse me. The reason I named it that is because I'm, it's still there. <laughs> Piece of candy or a cough drop. So, it's, so again, the word is um, my idea or my thought here is I hope to sway you today and that God can protect you if you decide to follow Jesus. We have the Ten Commandments to begin with. Uh, in two different places, it talks about the Ten Commandments. We have 613 distinct commandments, but 10 of them are what Moses went up to Mount Sinai and brought down, and they're very specific in, their, you know, in, the, uh, in what they say. Uh, we don't necessarily say that we don't follow the Ten Commandments, but then again, we also say that we do follow the Ten Commandments, and there's a reason for that as well. And I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. But the Ten Commandments are still godly guidelines uh, that all believers should follow. The Ten Commandments are actually, again, are, rec are recorded twice. As I mentioned earlier, it's recorded in the book of Deuteronomy, and it's also the book of uh, Exodus. But also, it's, it's a... Uh, also, I'm sorry, Leviticus and Numbers as well. The name Deuteronomy means second law. Although these two accounts of the Ten Commandments are virtually identical, there's one important complementary difference between the two of them. Both versions list the fourth commandment as a directive 
to remember. And this is interesting to me because uh, for those who know what a seven Adventist is, I've, I've come across them and I, I, I have family in that. And it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Deuteronomy 5.12, again, same, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. The Sabbath was the day the Israelites rested for their labor to focus on the relationship with God. Just a small note here. We have entered already into that rest because we are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But yet we're not in heaven yet. We are resting because we have the Spirit, but we are not in heaven yet. Okay? Just want to make a note. Because earlier I said uh, the Holy Ghost is not a free ticket to heaven. It is for us to be endued with power to overcome the things of this world. However, if we endure, if we endure towards the end, then we will be in heaven. Praise God. You know, I want to share something real quick, and, I'm, and it's going to take a little time. I hope it doesn't take too much time. And this is something that, because I've, I've always tried to un, uh, make, uh, explain people, explain to people the, the, emer the, uh, the emergency, the mercy of God and the grace of God. And God, uh, you know, sometimes God just opens your mind. He starts to show you these things. He says, hey, this is the way it is. And, uh, and the Bible says that we're saved by grace. So we we, everybody in the world stands in a platform of mercy and grace. So when we stand on that platform, it's up to us to step into that mercy that God has given us. And it's up to us to take advantage. When I say take advantage, I'm not saying abuse it. it he has given it as a gift for us to step into his mercy and then be able to receive his grace. His mercy, as you step into it, because you have repented of your sins and you have decided to follow God and, and obey his word, not, not per se by demand, but because you love him, then you are covered by grace. But the moment that we begin to sin, and, I'm, this, and this happens to everybody, uh, you are taken from grace, or the grace is, is, but hold for a second, it uncovers you for a second until you come back to the throne of glory and you, you ask the Lord to forgive you, and he will. God is faithful to do that. And here's, what he, and here's another thing. He, because, you know, I know that we talk about baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost, and that is all true because Jesus spoke about it. We'll go in there and we could, we could you know, we, somebody could come in and make, try to change it, but they can't because the word is written. And God began to speak to me. He says, the reason you're saved by grace is because when I come back, the Bible says he's coming back with, uh, for a church that is without spot and without blemish, which means that we come to the throne of glory to God every day. And when we make a mistake and we admit to that, God forgives you for it. And when he forgives you for it, he covers you right back up. He knew you were going to come back up, but he just he gives you that mercy and he gives you that grace. And those that are not, those that are not, there's the law. Now the grace and the mercy is still there because they still have the opportunity. But those who have said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want to be filled with the Spirit. His mercy has taken us up. His grace is wrapped around us. And when Jesus comes back, we're going to be taken up into the heavens. Praise the Lord. Will you clap your hands up to the Lord because he has done something like that for us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And thank you, Lord, for your grace. He is good. Amen. 
So again, I mentioned here that uh, we have entered into his rest. And the rest is only, I say, temporary. The rest is a type of peace that we've entered because uh, God doesn't want us to be tormented. We need him to give us that, that ease of mind that no matter what happens, I can rely on God. God, if I've made a mistake, I know that I can come back to you and you're going to forgive me. What he doesn't want us to do is to continue in something that we know that is wrong. You can't do that. And because the Bible also says, it says that there is no longer sacrifice for that. And what that means is that if you continue doing it, that's where that grace is taken down. That's where the mercy is scattered. It's waiting for you. It's, it's waiting for you again. And he talks about that we don't, he doesn't want us to, uh, to well, he, Paul tells us to crucify the flesh. But he says he doesn't want us to uh, make the spirit, I, I want to say grown spirit, but it's, it's basically taking advantage of it and using the Holy Ghost or using our gift that God has given us as a license to sin. And it's also a very similar example of taking the Lord's name in vain. So we want to hold to that and say, Lord, we're going to come to you every day, Lord. We're going to seek your face, Lord God. And again, pastor said something Thursday. It was really interesting. I love it. He said, you've got to draw the line in the sand. And you've got to make a decision whether you're going to go further from it or you're going to be right beside it and say, ah, this, this is good for me. I like this. But God says, no, draw further away from that line, and I can see the transformation in your life. And I'm going to, he, he knows that. God knows these things. Praise the Lord. I said enter into his rest. I was talking about the Sabbath. There were certain things that were not supposed to be done. Now, when you do, and I, some of the things that God didn't want them to do was, uh, your son is not going to work. Your daughter's not going to work. If you read the Ten Commandments, you're going to find that uh, servants, uh, a maid servant, and I have to say, your cow, don't make your cow work. The stranger that has walked into your town and you've offered hospitality services to him, don't make him work either. Nobody is working. And, and I find that interesting because the Sabbath was, again, he made it so that they could remember him. But at the same time, I find it interesting. He says, none of you are going to work. You're going to come together, and you're going to remember me, and you're going to talk about me. And in doing so, they brought glory to God, and they honored God in their works at that point in time. I was under the impression that most of us here are aware, as I mentioned, that uh, that rest entered to us again as a time as when we were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Sabbath was the day of rest, as I mentioned earlier. Jesus was healing on the Sabbath as he did. You know, he, he healed uh, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he, you know, he was against the, I'm sorry, he was not against the commandments. Jesus healing on the Sabbath did, he did as he, he was supposed to. And God was doing things uh, as he was moved in the spirit. And it was the Pharisees that were against the commandments that God was, or I'd say Jesus, according to them, was breaking. But in reality, he was never breaking them. The Lord's action, actions to heal the man with the withered arm and the woman who was bowed for 18 years, could not stand up straight, was fulfilling the law. Jesus did that, fulfilling the law in love. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean to uh, go off the subject, but I... This is something that the Lord kind of uh, ministered to me a long time ago as, as I was fresh, and I say fresh, new in the Lord, that, that God was already bringing rest 
to those that were bound. God was already bringing rest to those. It was an example of what he would do for us when we trusted in the Lord. So he started on the outside so people could see what he was doing. But more importantly, it, for, it was for us to recognize that God is a healer. If you're broken, guess what? There's a miracle for you here. The Pharisees don't like to see things like that. So this is why they came against them. We know very well that he faced them. Not only did he face them, he confronted them, and he said, you are hypocrites because here you're telling me this, but you know very well that if, if during the Sabbath you take your, uh, you take your, uh, your livestock or your donkey and you go, take them to go get water, they're doing the exact same thing. So Jesus was saying, what I'm doing is better than what you're doing because I'm delivering people from their bondage. This woman was, the Bible says, it was, uh, it was th through Satan. Satan had had done this to her, and Jesus had delivered her. Jesus, praise God. The apostles walked with Jesus for about three and a half years. We know this. We also know that Paul was taught by Jesus uh, in Damascus. But one of the most inter interesting things that I like about this is that Paul was a teacher of the law. And Paul, with all his heart, and, and I know if we've read the scriptures, Paul was, was wholeheartedly doing what he thought was right. And in doing that, he was persecuting Christians. He was, you know, I'm going to say snitching them out. I know it's a new word uh, for now to then. But he was pretty much just capturing and doing uh, what he desired. And we know that he went as far as to getting, you know, uh, permission from the Pharisees to be able to go to Damascus because that's what he wanted to search them out. But God stopped them in his tracks and he stopped, and the reason he stopped them was not just to blind him. It was to remind him of something. There are things that happen to you when you are put into darkness. And this is what Jesus did to, uh, he did to Paul. Paul didn't realize what he had been doing. So Jesus had to blind him for a moment so that he could realize that we, he was already blind. And in being blind, God had to open his eyes through his blindness that he was going against the commandments of the Lord. Somehow he missed the point that he was supposed to care for someone and uh, take care of the neighbor and not, not hurt them, but be considerate of them. If we read the Ten Commandments, we're going to find that much of the Scripture, the Ten Commandments are actually, actually most of them are referring first to God and the rest of them are referring to our neighbors. It's about worshiping the Lord, and the other one is about caring for our neighbors. And again, I think that I've talked about that who our neighbors are, are those that we don't know, those that need a touch of God. But in so, Paul opening up his eyes and seeing what, is, what was good, because it took him a little bit, we find that uh, very quickly uh, he changed his tune. He began to preach the gospel, and he began to not only preach the gospel, but he began to confront the Pharisees. And one of the things that he was confronting them with was the laws and the commandments because they lived a certain way. They, they thought a certain way. And the Bible says that Jesus, he didn't come to, wait, to do away with the law, but to came, come to fulfill it. And I spoke the other time. The fulfilling was in the spirit, and it was in love. It was not, and this is, I said this earlier, there, there are going to be some things that you're not going to understand unless you're, you, know, you, you have the Holy Ghost. You need the Spirit of God to be able to understand certain things so that then you can transform your life. And I think this is why 
it's so important to seek the Spirit of God. Lord, uh, I need your Spirit, Lord. I need to be with your Spirit. I need to be filled with your spirit, Lord, so that I can be transformed as you want me to be transformed. Going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 55 through 56. Short ones. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. And this, this scripture here stood out like a sore thumb to me because here I'm looking at, Paul is saying that death, there is... Where's your sting? It doesn't hurt anymore. And it says, grave, where is thy victory? And the sting of death is sin. If there is sin in us, we will experience death. The death that I'm talking about is, is what the Bible talks about, hell. It's, it's, it's the one that we are told to stay away from. It is the sin that goes against the laws of God that are written by the reading of, they're written in us by the reading of so the more we read God's word, the more of his word is in our heart. The more the word is in our heart, the more we're able to identify what God wants us to do and what God doesn't want us to do. And in doing so, we end up, as Pastor said, we stay away from that line we drew in the sand. We're not going any closer. We actually find ourselves further out. And eventually, like I said, you're not going to even, you're not even going to know where it's at by the time you go, where's this line? It's no longer there. It's gone. Well, it's still there, but it's just, you're just so far out. Then it says, and it just, I'm sorry, it states that the strength of sin of law, how does this happen? Well, the Bible says that the law, uh, that the law or commandments is what we will be judged by. And this is true. Paul preached the word of God with boldness, meaning he was stern in what he taught, and he, but he taught it in love, meaning he was not going to tell you any different in the most gentle voice he could muster up. So, and uh, you know, it's. I think if if um, if we study not only history, language, and writings, you're going to find that that there are some scripture that were written, and there's it seems to be so. Uh, it seems vague at times, but the reason that is is because. A lot of the times when script when when people spoke to each other, it was not only written, it was or spoken, there was movement. There was movement with their bodies. It's like if they said I love you, they put their arms out. And they oh well that means I, I they want to hug. And so that there's there's you hear people say there's a, a lost in translation. There's not a lot there's no translation lost. You know, uh, we have now the scriptures are now written to the point where we have so many words to explain what was happening or the the, the outcome or why or what the thought was for that particular uh, thing. For instance, uh, I talked about mercy the other day. It's two pictures, but you get mercy and you get a you get a bigger, broader image because you can get an, an entire definition of it now. It's not a picture. In saying that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to mention uh, Victor Jackson once said uh, he was talking about sin, how it cries out for judgment. And by this, you know, this is again, this is new. This is New Testament teachings. First Corinthians chapter 15, 55 through 56. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of the sin is the law. The sin gives the law power. 
the sin that we commit gives the law power to rise up against us. But I talked about mercy and we talked about grace. Uh, this same mercy and this same grace is always there. Again, not to be abused, not to use it as we desire, just to, just because we feel like it. But we want to be wholehearted, wholeheartedly given to God and, and walking. And I don't want to say carefully like we're walking on eggshells because there are things that we can do and they're, they're not sin. But there are some things that we can do and they are sin in the eyes of God. Sin is a sting that brings death to the sinner. Paul made this statement because he was walking the example. He was not just going to wallow in the mud and then come back and tell you this. He was free from sin through the blood of the Lamb. Paul was not someone who was just talking about it. He was being about it, as the, as the saying goes on. Paul was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, and he, he, he again, and he entered into the rest he, that was promised. The words he wrote was a declaration of his faith to God. He had peace. So when he wrote these, the, the scriptures, it was, he, he didn't only just write it. He wrote it and he sent it because he knew what he was saying. Because when he, what, he, what he was saying was true. There was something sewn into him. It, and I'm going to say this. There was a love of God sewn into him that he could not go the other way. It was, and it was about love. It was not about, it was no longer about, yes, he knew about the laws, but the laws no longer, no longer became as the laws when you fell, when he fell in love with God. When God opened his eyes and he realized that he was doing something wrong, something in his heart changed. I think it happens to all of us. When we're living in a certain way, I, I was living in the world. I lived for the world for 30, 30 39 years. I, I thought that I knew God the way I do now, but no. There is a difference between now and eight, nine years ago. Praise God. And it's only through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. Thank you, God. The blood of Jesus delivers us from condemnation, hell, or death. His blood is the only thing that can. However, God will not supersede his own word with another scripture of his own word. And what I mean by that is what I meant earlier, that God will not use one scripture. He says, well, I'm going to erase this one. No, it, his, his word always rises up above what it's going to say. Sin exists all it by itself. And when you introduce it to humanity, it contaminates it, the holiness of God. It is Adam and Eve. Is it, it is an Adam and Eve event. God delivers us from death through the obedience of his word and his voice. If I disobey God's word, I have gone against God himself. But if I say I will turn unto the Lord and I will follow his ways and I will obey his commandments, not because he is forcing me to, but because he loves me, there's going to be a protection and a barrier around me that God will not take because I've been faithful. But not only me, but those who decide to, to follow Jesus. That then falls into a category of salvation. You're pulled out of sin and into salvation, into deliverance. A deliverance of a believer. A believer that will progress not only himself but the kingdom of God. If we learn to live for God, then we're going to learn to persuade others to God. They're going to ask the question, 
how is it that you live by, how is it that you live that way? It's not by my way. It's not by my power. It's not by my might. But it's by the Spirit of God. It is by the Holy Ghost that dwells within me. And you can have that same Holy Ghost. Sister Lexi said, um, God qualifies the unqualified. I'm going to say go with that. Stick with that. But don't get disqualified. Don't get disqualified. Seek further to get qualified in what God wants you to do further in, further down. We have people who were at first not looking so qualified. We have Rahab, the harlot. We have David, who was a shepherd boy. And then we have Jesus, who they thought that he was, he was nobody. All these people, all these people made a difference for the kingdom of God. They took their place, and because they did what they did, were able to move forward and, and not look back. When someone speaks into our lives and it's negative and, and it sounds like we're being torn apart, listen to the voice of God. To go into your word and say, God, I don't want to be disqualified, but I know that I'm not qualified. And by you just saying that, God qualifies you. There's something about humility that brings you closer to God. It's a desire that God has in most people if they come to the kingdom and they find themselves, as I said earlier, I told Sister Pearl I had 50 pages. I wasn't lying. Praise God. Go into the back. God is faithful. He is faithful. In closing, I'll, uh, I'll read this. Living in the small tree of Manawatu taught John and Jen much about the important connection between the joint love commandments of God, the love of God, and the love of their neighbor. When they sat down around the fire with their friends to eat new and unique foods they had never heard of before, they were loving God and loving their neighbors. When they visited the marketplace to visit the homes of the locals to fellowship, they were loving God and loving their neighbors. When they visited the local hospital to pray for the children of one of the saints in the church, they were loving God and loving neighbors. When they spent the Sabbath day relaxing with the church members, eating plantains and mangoes and reflecting on the goodness of God, they were loving God and loving neighbors. The longer this young couple worked, the more they realized how these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor, could not be separated. We love God loving his neighbors, loving our neighbors, I'm sorry. The two commandments are like two sides of the same coin. When we honor God, we find the strength to love our neighbors like we should. When we love our neighbors, we honor God by demonstrating the transformative work he has performed in our lives. This doesn't mean that living out of the joint of love commandment is always easy. Know that we always perform them with perfection. All of us have experienced people who are hard to love. These are typically the people who do not treat us nicely no matter how kind we are to them. Sometimes they're friends and family members who betrayed us even though we did nothing to deserve such poor treatment. In these situations, the love of God inside of us is tested. We can keep coming back to these joint love commandments to evaluate 
how we are doing. Loving God and loving our neighbors cannot be perfected in one day, but can be continually practiced over time. Let us all seek to learn new, meaningful ways every day to love God and to love our neighbor. If you would stand to your feet today, if you love God, which I believe we all do here, raise your hands to the Lord. And out of your heart, just declare it. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need more of you. want to be pleasing to the Lord. Amen. I say, I want, you know, one of the, there's some things that I have desired and I say, Lord, sometimes I, I, I would hope that it doesn't matter where we go, that when we talk to people, that when we're moved by the word and we start talking about Jesus of the miraculous things that he did, I would hope that at times they would move that. They don't always move like that, but don't be, don't lose courage. Go to the next person. Someone else is going to be moved by that. If they may not be interested, and that's okay. As long as you're staying, you're interested and you stay interested. That's the important part. A truth for my life. I will come, I will follow the commands of scripture and experience the spiritual protection they provide. Lord, we will prevail in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you're seeing us today through the media, God bless you. I hope that God has blessed you with this word. Again, we say the things that we teach and love that you may come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. 
He loves you just as much as he loves us, but we also want you to embrace the same understanding that God has given us through Scripture. We're going into prayer right now, and um, I know it's going to be good. I can feel it in the spirit. God is good. Plus, it's pastor's birthday. <laughs> Glory be to God. God bless you all. We're going to prayer in Jesus' name. Come back at 11 o'clock. We're going to be here.